She began her career at the age of six as, you guessed it, a child model. She's been dubbed the Queen of Disney by Cosmo Girl and Popstar Magazine. Her star sign is an Aries. I'm Hope Carew. I'm Paige Smith. And this is History Duffs Presents Brenda's Song Part 3. I almost said get a clue. Because <laughs> it's just so, it's so on my heart and mind, like, because we're covering it in this episode. Yeah, very soon. We're covering it at the top of this episode. At the top of this episode, I guess. <laughs> well, close to it. We still have to talk about the Nightmare Room. <laughs> and the Nightmare Room is insane. Did you watch it? Oh, yes. Okay. I'm so glad that I made you watch it because I watched it. <laughs> I sent you the link because I had already watched it. And I was like, yeah. I can't be alone in this. I'm so glad you sent it to me. I'm, I, was, I liked it. It is an, a TV adaption of an R.L. Stein Goosebumps story, correct? I know it's R.L. Stein. Is it Goosebumps? I kind of just assumed that everything that R.L. Stein wrote was Goosebumps. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does make sense. What I, I just, it sounds like it's um, like an anthology, like Goosebumps is. But the sort of the conceit of this series is like things that happen in the quote nightmare room. Oh, right. Okay. So maybe it's not goosebumps. It's just the nightmare room. That's how I understood it from the first, from the only like episode I watched, which was this one. (laughs) That's what I gathered. Which was from a like YouTube link of a very old pirated, you know, potentially VHS. Like <laughs> I think it was recorded onto a VHS because there were some, like they didn't get the commercial breaks exactly right. And I remember recording like TV shows on our VCR and you have to stop it when the commercials start and then you have to start it again when the commercials yes. end. Yes. And that was the vibe <laughs> of this YouTube video. Yes, it so was. And then there are parts where it would, it would like repeat. Because it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's like previously on The Nightmare Room. It's like when you're watching any sort of Real Housewives or uh, Vanderpump Rules where it's like previously on the whole time. And it's like coming up and they re- they just show you the same clips a million times. That was kind of like, like yeah, like literally just like after a commercial break or before a commercial break yeah and it's like okay let's get to let's get to the good stuff bravo come on Andy Cohen and they think attention spans are getting worse that's how we've always watched tv that's how we watch tv (laughs) um do you want to give us a little synopsis about this episode of the nightmare room Yes. Okay. So I want you to think Freaky Friday. We're having band practice in the garage. Okay. Okay. That you got it. That's the only thing we're taking from Freaky Friday. Just to be clear. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm just. La- I'm trying to lay a vibe for our listeners. Like, get into the headspace. Yeah. You are Lindsay Lohan. You are Brenda Song. You are in a rock band. You're Brenda Song. Okay, you're Brenda Song. You're in a rock band with two boys, shout out, who are one of whomst is Drake Bell. Uh-huh. And who's the other one? On guitar and lead vocals. And the other one? I forget. Wait, I forgot. Oh, yeah, I did just watch it today. Uh, yeah. The other one, AJ Trouth also known as Twitty from Even Stevens. Oh, that's who it was. That's who it was. That's who it was. Oh, my God. I just thought I would. Some things I don't write in my notes because I'm like, I would never forget Twitty. Yeah, yeah. He's basically playing Twitty in this 
as well. I even wrote in my notes, you said Freaky Friday. I said the Louis Stevens experience from the (laughs) Battle of the Bands episode of Even Stevens. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you always um, have had a closer connection to the the Steve-averse than I have. That's true. That's true. It's very important to you. And not that it wasn't for me, but it's just it, it wasn't the same. I don't remember it the same way. Yeah. And hey, that's okay. It's we can okay. still be friends. Brenda's song is kind of like Lane in this, like in Gilmore Girls. Like she's like rocker chick. I was, uh, yeah, rocker girl vibes. Okay. Like rocker girl that. vibes. And I was thinking like Drake Bell is like the Adam Brody. <gasps> Dave Rogowski. Dave Rogowski. And Twitty is kind of like, um, you know, the blonde Zach. guy who joins the band. <laughs> Zach. Yeah. If, if, Lane and Dave had zero sexual chemistry. I would agree with you. This was this story was very much just friends vibes. We only had twenty minutes. Okay, yeah. So we only had twenty minutes to tell this story. So they didn't explore, you know, the relationships between these bandmates. Also, if I can just say, the band part of it is a very small part. <laughs> I think it's crucial. It's it is how- crucial, but it has nothing to do with the nightmare that we're about to get into. <laughs> I mean, I would, I mean, I would disagree with you, but uh, let's, yeah, let's get into it. What happens? You, you watched uh, it today, so you remind I did. Me. I'll give, I'll give, I'll give you the, the synopsis. Um, Drake Bell, he, Drake Bell is really the main character of this story. His Boo. mom Boo. brings, <laughs> his mom brings home an antique desk for him. Oh, yeah. He thinks it's going to be a bike. He thinks it's going to be a bike. And she rolls out an antique desk. I remember this. It looks a lot like the desk I had as a child. So yes. I was like, that's sick. And then it was like, oh, nice desk. <laughs> um, but in this desk, he finds a an old diary. Okay. And when he opens this diary, he realizes that the diary entry is for the next day. The next day. What? The next day? Tomorrow hasn't even happened yet. So he's like, this is crazy. Wait, can I just say that it's like, I think it's everyone's dream to like find an old diary hidden in a desk or like yeah, finding any sort of like paperwork in a hidden drawer is so <laughs> satisfying. Hope dreams of paperwork. <laughs> I would love to just, oops, what's this? A hidden file? It's, I mean, I would say a diary, it's like a book of secrets. It is different than like... Okay, Tom Riddle, you know, a, a book insurance of Insurance paperwork. <laughs> also important note, uh, the first day he finds this diary, he says, and I quote, September 12th, that's tomorrow. Which means this does take place on September 11th. <laughs> Which is funny because it's 2002. It's 2002! <laughs> like Why the worst year that? to pick <laughs> September 11th of all I days. I remember that. I remember that. And it's like, why not pick October? Or anything. Literally any other day. Any other day. Why? Okay, for our listeners who don't know, there is, this is very reminiscent of when Paige realized that a, a reference in uh, Casper and Wendy was the date of Pearl <laughs> Harbor. Hope, I thought you were going to say, for those of you that don't know, something very bad happened on September 11th. (laughs) No, no, no. 
no, no, no. This was 2002, right? Like, like, why yeah, did they do that? I have no idea. Because you would think that if they actually had filmed it pre-9-11, that they literally would have changed it. Because the nation was so sensitive. Yeah. I'm so were they trying with... to pin 9-11, like, on the, the diary? Are they, they trying to say that there was, like, a supernatural phenom? I like that I, I shortened phenom. I don't know why I would. Phenomenon. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that at all. No, I, I'm thinking so about it right no. now. I never thought about it till right now. Right. That would be wild. It never comes up. They're never like, <laughs> I have to go home and, you know, think about what happened last year. Like, it's not a thing that it's September 11th. It's just a throwaway line that tomorrow is September 12th. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I think that's, I think that's even weirder. <laughs> We've gotten in trouble before for laughing at, or someone thought that we were laughing at September 11th. So we got to be careful. No, we were laughing at Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're laughing at nothing. We're we don't la- laugh. We're not laughing at that. The, the, no. It's a tragedy. We're laughing at these children's shows referencing it. We're laughing at the, the coincidence. It's just a coinkydink. It's a coinkydink. That's what's so funny. Man, we, we're really defending ourselves against our haters on TikTok, which we don't have anymore because we got kicked <laughs> off. <laughs> Oh, by the way, we got kicked off TikTok. I don't know if you guys yeah, know. Yeah, don't follow us on TikTok anymore. No point. I'm blaming R.L. Stein's The Nightmare Room. <laughs> this is it. We're in The Nightmare Room. I mean, The Nightmare Room did 9-11. <laughs> oh, my God. R.L. Stein's going to come for you. You have to be careful. Well, you can freaking um, try. I've got Lemony Snicket on my side. <laughs> that's basically... So, basically, uh, uh, Drake Bell, you know... Everything that um, is written in this diary comes true the next day. In the diary, it, like, does he write it or does the diary write itself and then he reads the message? The diary writes itself and we find out kind of the big twist at the end, spoiler, is that whoever is reading the diary, the message, the message changes for that person. So Brenda Song's character steals the diary at one point. And when Drake Bell goes to get it back, he reads a message in it that has the date and it says, I'm dead. So he goes to tell Brenda Song and warn her and say, you're going to die tomorrow. And she's like, no, buddy, that message was for you. (laughs) I wrote that, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 she didn't write it. Nobody writes it. (laughs) But it is fun. I'm really fascinated by... The idea of, like, writing scary stories for kids. It was inspiring. I was like, I think I could do that. I could write a scary children's story. It's, like, so scary, though. Like, it's like, yeah, horror for children is bizarre. But honestly, the kids I babysit are kind of, like, dark and twisty. But it is, like, again, like, who is this demographic? Because it's like, yes, it exists, but... There are definitely spooky kids. There are spooky kids, but I'm like, I, where was this airing, I guess, is like what I mean. is like, which network was like, we're going to be the spooky kid network? Um, CW? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> CW. This is a, a speculation podcast. I used to watch a kind of, not very spooky, but a little bit spooky show called Strange Days at Blake Holsey High. And I oh, feel like yeah. this could have sort of fit into, or the Zach Files which was another Canadian show. The Secret World of Alex Mack. Secret World of Alex Mack. That was Disney. I mean, Disney was a little spooky. So weird. Remember how scary So Weird was? 
I don't totally know if I remember so weird because I hate scary stuff. So yeah. all of the scary stuff I watched was from when I was a kid, like Goosebumps. Like I watched Goose, I watched mm-hmm. a Goosebumps thing at a sleepover at my best friend Adair's house in like second grade, and I'm still like, ooh, castles are spooky. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Like I'm like those knights are gonna come alive. Great. Like it's it's always gonna be like my first thought. Like kind of Scooby Doo, but a little scarier. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, Scooby Doo's a little bit spooky. But yeah. Anyway, that's the nightmare room. Well, I say that the band practice thing gets cu- comes up at the end because he um, is like practicing. At, in band practice and there's like a storm and a like electrical wire does he die i don't remember it's implied we don't see him die but that's like the ending because he goes to tell brenda song and she's like oh no and then that it's kind of how it ends and does he does she die too because it's like everyone in the room gets electrocuted or what it's implied that only drake bell dies how fucked up is that that's actually insane they don't show it though they don't say it because it's for kids but it's implied heavily implied heavily implied okay hi all Paige here Paige from the future the one that is currently editing this episode of the podcast and it just occurred to me that I completely forgot the ending to this episode of the nightmare room I said several times that it's heavily implied that Drake Bell's character dies just as the diary predicted which is true but for some reason when I was having this conversation with Hope I forgot that the real ending after his character dies or it's implied that he dies the story starts over it resets itself and starts over from the beginning and a narrator comes in and says he's living in a time loop And he is doomed to repeat the same story over and over and over again, because that's what is going on in the nightmare room for him. Why I forgot that, I'm not sure. Also, why I felt so strongly that I needed to come on here and explain that, I am also not sure, but I'm glad I did. Thank you for hearing me out. Now, back to the episode. Man, Okay. Hey, honey, what are you watching? Oh, the Nightmare Room, Mom. Like, I know. It's definitely for spooky kids only. And kids who want to, like, think about, wow, how would I feel if I watched my best friend die in front of me? Like, it was I don't a know. little bit. It was, it was campier than that. It wasn't supposed to be, like, scary, scary. It was supposed to be more. Yeah, spooky. but that is the implication, you know? I'm just like, you take what happens. It's like, wow, what would happen if my best friend was electrocuted in front of me? I'm Brenda Song. In this scenario, I'm Brenda Song. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, well, this one isn't particularly spooky, but it is kooky. It's a uh, get a clue. <laughs> get a clue. I did. Get a clue did used to scare me. What? Really? I mean, the scene where um the teacher is like tied up in the locker room, that used to scare me. Oh, wow. Aw, baby. I baby. thought she was a little bit kind of freaky anyway yeah the teacher. she was she was and so when she's like tied up and she's like mm-hmm, like she you know that did yeah scare me <laughs> just that actually part. the part about it that I that I disliked the most is that she has her face is like covered in like spa mud that's the part that I don't like it's like ew ew uh, yeah get away yeah. 
the whole thing I think her being in a robe too it was just like this is making me uncomfortable I don't know all of it everything about it yeah I don't want to I don't want to see my teacher in a robe Miss Dawson I don't want to see Miss Dawson in a robe but let's let's go back let's explain a little bit what get a clue is get a clue <laughs> sorry I just feel like I should sing that every time uh do it it's yeah a, it's a bop so Get a Clue is a Disney Channel original movie starring Lindsay Lohan. She's playing, she plays a girl named Lexi. It's like Alexandra or something, Lexi. And she like lives on Lex, like Park Avenue, like Lexington Avenue. And she goes to this like super schmancy school. Think like, you know, Gossip Girl essentially. But like. She's in middle school. She goes to the Gossip Girl Middle School, and she is a teen journalist, and her dad is also a journalist, and she gets her article published, like, essentially in the fictional New York Times (laughs) under the junior journalist column, which is so cute, and it's, like, a huge deal, right? (laughs) It is. I love it. I love that. I love it. She's literally a published journalist at like 13, like in the country's like biggest paper. And she does a human interest piece on two teachers, Mr. Walker and Miss Dawson. Correct? Yeah. Okay. She has a human interest piece on it. And when they're all in the newsroom, very uh, Rory Gilmore circa the (laughs) Yale years, they're in the newsroom and the love interest or, you know, the guy in it, Bug Hall, is like shitting on Lexi's award. And he's like, yeah, well, you're a gossip columnist. And she's like, excuse me. It's human interest. It was a human interest piece. And he is just like this classic example of misogyny and men looking down on women and what we find interesting. And really, it's just our humanity that we find interesting. Okay, tech bro? It's also very much like at that time, I feel like a lot of kid shows and teen shows, it was like, I'm going to pick on you, but it's because I have a crush on you. Like, that was sort of the vibe, you know? And so he's, like, being mean to her. Yeah. And we're supposed to be like, oh, they're vibing. (laughs) He's nagging her. And it's like, she actually accomplished something that's a really big deal. And she's a woman in her formative years. Like, give her some validation. Excuse me. You know? Or just don't say anything at all if you're really so bothered by it. Can a woman not succeed? Are you that jealous? Yeah, he is. He's he is absolutely jealous. Yeah, and there is like this like class divide. Like he's from the wrong side of town, aka Brooklyn, and he's like <laughs> a scholarship kid. And she's like, whoa. And he's like, you don't get it. Like you're just like a Park Avenue princess. And she's like, also very Gossip Girl. Very Gossip Girl. I must say, except in Gossip Girl, he's the journalist. <laughs> <laughs> And you need to get a clue. Uh, yeah, it's very Gossip Girl. It's very Harriet the Spy. Yes. And I mean Love Harriet every iteration. Every mm-hmm. iteration. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to you, Jennifer Stone. You're included. <laughs> Do you think Jennifer Stone would come on our podcast? Oh, I think she would. I put her on our, on our, on our uh, dream oh, guest list. <laughs> okay, coming up, an episode with the Jennifer Stone. 
Jennifer Stone, we already promised you. So please don't let us down. It would make us look really bad. Please, Jennifer. Please. Please. Paige will knit you something. She's really good at that. Oh, yeah, sure. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. We love your podcast on uh, the Podco Network. We love all the Podco Network podcasts. But yours especially. Yours most. (laughs) Unless the Lawrence brothers are listening. (laughs) Okay, I think we played it really cool. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was good. (laughs) Okay, can I do a quick little hope quotes with you? Yeah, of course. Because when she gets her article published, she's like walking through the halls and everyone's whispering about her story and she feels like, you know, like an amazing journalist. And I'm just going to read some like ad lib background lines and I want you to tell me which one I made up. Okay. So you're going to read several. Only one of them is fake. Yes. Correct. Okay. Got it. Got it. Mr. Walker and Miss Dawson. Like that's the context. Okay. So now people Mm -hmm. are going, who knew? What a scandal. You shine, Lexi. I think the one you made up is who knew? Yeah. (laughs) Really? Yeah. What a you shine, shine, Lexi. Lexi. (laughs) For some reason in my brain when you said that, I was like, that one's real. That was in the movie for sure. (laughs) You're like, she came up with this because they said, you shine, Lexi. (laughs) As well as, what a scandal. (laughs) What a scandal. (laughs) So good. Um, Did you have any revelations watching Get a Clue as an adult? Anything that you didn't pick up on before or anything that you have a new appreciation for I mean the whole thing like like the principal being named Miss Stern and her being strict I don't like I don't even think I that did not like cross my mind I liked or appreciated (laughs) career day more I forgot about Mm. the career day element to it where the parents are coming in and one of the parents is like fully a CIA like operations officer (laughs) Just like, like probably shouldn't be talking to a bunch of kids about exactly <laughs> yeah and then one is like a taxidermist and I'm just like okay I love it the two the two genders <laughs> it's also amazing because it's like when you're kids you think adults all have these like crazy jobs you know every child is like I want to be an astronaut and a basketball player <laughs> <laughs> yes and it's like most of you are just going to be filing <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, exactly. Okay. Okay, I need to um, do another quiz for you. Sorry. No, it's okay. I love it. That's what I'm here for. Let me back up before I quiz you. Or let me, I guess, go forward. Lexi's Mm. article is published in the paper, right? The very next day, Mr. Walker goes missing. No. Yes. The teacher. Say it ain't so. Yes. And not only is he the teacher, he's... Bug Hall's, like, mentor. (gasps) No wonder he hates us. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, Lexi and Bug Hall, they have to team up and crack the case so that Lexi can not have everyone that she writes about have their lives destroyed. Like, she feels really guilty. And she also overheard them having a fight in the hallway where Miss Dawson was like, I never want to see you again, or something, where she was like, does that mean because you'll kill, you know? Right. Okay. So now here's the quiz. Okay. When the teacher um, goes missing, the very next day this person's missing, it is 
headlines of the New York Times that they're missing. They've been gone for, I think, maybe 12 hours. Headline. I don't even think you can, like, report a missing person. You can't. Oh, actually, I've heard that that's, like, that you actually can. They just, like, try to, they try to stop you, but you can be like, yes, please. And they're like, okay. I think it's. Okay, good to know. Yeah. I think it's just, like, one of those things that they make you think is the law that isn't the law. They discourage it, but... But yeah, you can you, do it. You still can. Something like okay, that. Okay, you guys, anyway, you just, hear that? You heard it here first, but don't That's quote important. me on it. <laughs> it may or may not be true. <laughs> just like everything with this podcast, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we do our best, okay, guys? Yeah, Mercury's in retrograde. Paige, don't tell them. Don't tell <laughs> them. <laughs> hey, at some point, someone's going to be listening to this while Mercury is in retrograde. I had Paige look it up for me. It's not. I'm just, I'm not doing well. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's not planetary, apparently. Okay. So there's an article published in the Times about the teacher that's gone missing. What do you think is the title of the newspaper? Oh, gosh. Um, okay. I'm going to make several attempts. Uh, <laughs> get a clue. Teacher missing in New York. <laughs> I honestly wasn't it? even thinking that you were going to guess it. I was going to give you options. Oh. <laughs> but then I wanted to hear what you would come up with. <laughs> and I and loved I accidentally it. nailed it, right? Yeah, you accidentally kind of hit the nail on the head. <laughs> like sometimes you just kind of wait for magic. And then when it comes, it's like you just have to appreciate it. <laughs> okay, let me hear your, let me hear your suggestions. <laughs> Teacher gone absent. Mm. No substitute for missing teacher. And it's just those two. So which one of those is? I mean, no substitute for missing teacher is so good. It is really good, right? Is that it? Yeah, they're both right. <laughs> I, could, I, I literally, they're both right. I just, I couldn't, um, I hope they are. I, I, I didn't leave an answer, so I assume they're both right. <laughs> teacher gone absent? Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's supposed to be like, because, you know, you say present or absent. So yeah. it's like teacher gone missing. It just feels like incorrect grammar. It does. Teacher is absent. Teacher gone fishing. <laughs> like, if I was not going to go to school tomorrow, could I say, I'm going to go absent tomorrow? I don't think so. It's, I'm going to be absent. Yeah. Okay. What about no substitution for absent teacher? No substitution for abstinent teacher. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way those two are having sex. <laughs> that would be good. You combine both of the both of the the puns, I guess, or play on words. Yeah. Yeah. Why was I not a reporter? Why was I not a published teen journalist? Hope it's not too late. The teen part it is too late. But you could still be a journalist. You don't know anything. I can be a teen. <laughs> the only thing that I really remember, well, I remember a lot of things about Get a Clue, but one thing that stands out to me is the fact that and correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Bug Hall's character really into bowling? Yes. <laughs> okay. And does does Lindsay Lohan or does she not gift him like bowling shoes? Or maybe it's the other does he give her bowling shoes? There is an exchange of bowling shoes. I think that she gives him <laughs> I think that she gives him shoes but it's potentially that she gives him a ball and that he gives her shoes okay okay because now it's like starting to come back to me I think it's like she is grossed out by the idea of bowling and like wearing someone else's shoes yes 
Okay, okay, okay. So it's like symbolic in their relationship. Because, you know, she's an uptown girl and he's from the wrong side of town. Queens. Enemies to lovers. <laughs> I can't remember if he's from Queens or Brooklyn, okay? But it's really, it's one of the Brooklyn same. Brooklyn felt right, but maybe it's just because of Gossip Girl. Honestly, the way that they treat it, though, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, both Brooklyn and Queens are extremely nice. <laughs> and they oh, both yeah. treat them like they're like, wrong side of the tracks. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> okay, like, so no, this is something. are still loaded. Yeah, I'm like, well, the kid's living in a three-story house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, he's a scholarship student. I'm like, yeah, with a really nice, like, you know, living situation in Queens. Okay. Okay, so this is what struck me, uh, speaking of things that hit different when you're an adult. So after the teachers go missing, the police come to the school and they interrogate Lexi without so much as even a teacher present. Like, the police interrogate Lexi, like, one-on-one, not at the police precinct, like, in an empty classroom. So it's like there's literally no, like, monitoring or it was like a one-on-one exchange, too. Like, it was so, like, whoa, that should not be happening. There should not be a police sergeant interrogating a student who's 13. I mean... It's not necessarily an interrogation. He was questioning her. Like, did you know anything about Mr. Walker and stuff? But it was like... Still inappropriate to be alone with a child. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To be questioning someone, too, where they did kind of say, like, you know, if you're not telling us or, you know... It was so inappropriate where it's like, I would freak out as a parent if I found out that my kid talked to a police officer without me present, let alone a teacher or a principal. Like, no, nothing, nobody, just a child. And the fact that there wasn't even two police officers, it was just one police officer and a child. Like, I was like, this is insane. Just insane detective work, too. Yeah, yeah. And they're not very good at their jobs because guess who solved the mystery? Lexi. What? Le- Spoilers, Paige. Sorry, sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I thought the bigger spoiler was the bowling shoes thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I didn't want to tell everyone that. (laughs) I didn't want them to get sad. Oh, sorry. Sorry, all. Okay, so... Oh, and I forgot to mention that throughout this whole movie... Lexi and Brenda Song are like FaceTiming and calling each other. They literally FaceTime. Like, I guess it's not FaceTime. It's more like a Zoom. They like video chat in the morning and decide what to wear. And they like have little phone calls on um, little uh, Britney Spears like mics. And they've got fluffy slippers. And it's like very Honestly, obsessed. Obsessed with that scene. I still think about it regularly when I'm getting dressed in the morning. I'm like, I wish I had someone to bounce ideas off of yes and like just it it made me like miss like school being like oh it's fun to like call your friend before school because you're gonna see your friend every single day at the same place like yeah it's fun to get in sync with someone for a while yeah oh oh Miranda and Lizzie I miss you guys (laughs) (laughs) remember how cool three-way calling was on Lizzie McGuire oh it was so cool I wanted a landline so bad. I like always had a my I had like a little phone that my dad got me at limited to. Like, you know, I picked it out and it was like this tiny little like frog phone. I I don't oh. know. I would love to find it. It is like really impossible to kind of hook up. It was like a it was like kind of <laughs> too advanced for me. <laughs> And also, no one would call me. But, like, if someone did call me, like, if it was, like, oh, I'm going to, like, talk to, like, my, my, 
grandparents on the phone, I'd be like, hold on. And I would like try to talk to them through the frog phone. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, it was just, it was the best. I used to come home from like first grade and talk to my two friends on the phone forever because I was like, maybe if I'm taking up the house phone too much, my parents will get me my own phone. Smart. <laughs> that was like my strategy. That's actually really smart. So I was like, I'm just going to make it really inconvenient for everybody. <laughs> but you had, you didn't really have anything to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. We also, at the same time, while we were on the phone with each other, we would email each other because I had an email address. I got my first email address when I was six. <laughs> oh, my God. Because my kindergarten best friend had an email and we would just email each other. And my mom would have to get on before me to make sure I didn't get any like weird, random like spam emails. And I always did. She'd you did? <laughs> yeah, I used to, yeah. My I had a little Hotmail and I would email my dad and the, like we, we'd be on our like, our little MacBook, like the, you know, the kind that Elle Woods has. And like, I, I would yeah. be like, oh, hi. <laughs> That's so cute. Maybe I'll get a landline now just to, you know. I would love a landline because texting is a lot. Yeah, it's just cool. It is cool. It's also anyway. like a safety thing. Okay. Um, I have just in quotes, I think I've heard of Dizzy Borden. I don't know the context, um, but it's, I guess, a joke about how someone doesn't know the name Lizzie Borden. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I would have assumed. Yeah, kind of seems like it. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, what happens is Lexi ends up being like, I'm going to solve this case. She enlists the help of her annoying little sister. Classic. She's she's giving Jeanette McCurdy and Tiger Cruz, the little sister is. Oh, wow. What a good comparison. Thank you. And she's super into spying and she's always spying on Lexi. So they team up and she takes they like go to the spy store and the little sister like helps them learn how to be a spy. I this movie was so influential for me. I was obsessed with with spies obsessed I would always get these like little spy gadgets and then when my when my stepmom was pregnant with my little sister so I was eight I made a list like of all the things I was gonna teach my sister it was so cute and the number one thing on the list was how to spit (laughs) I just felt like I was like yeah you gotta like know how to spit like gotta be cool like gotta know how to spit and number two was know how to spy and did you teach her either of those Honestly, babies know how to spit. I don't know where I was oh, going true. with that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> in Spy, um, I don't think I really had to. Honestly, she had her own instincts, but she's mm-hmm. a confessor. Like she would like she would like sneak in and go through my stuff, and then she'd be like, "Hope oh, I saw you. I went through your stuff." She used to like be like, "I saw you in the shower," and I'd be like, "What?" And she's like, "Ha ha ha." <laughs> And I'm like, okay, well, like, you're three, like, you're, you know, you're four. Like, I can't really get mad at you. But, yeah, you're, she was kind of a little spy girl. I feel like when we were kids, there was, like, a big, what? Spy kids. Maybe it's just my memory. But there was a lot of, like, spy stuff, like, spy toys and things. Yes. I think it was because of spy kids. But there must have been, like, an adult movie going on, too. Like, maybe James Bond, maybe a James Bond movie had come out. Because there was, like, a lot, like, much more than now, I feel like. There was a big... Yeah. Oh, Inspector Gadget. <gasps> yeah, Inspector Gadget was huge. Yeah, I had it. I told you about my Inspector Gadget-themed performance oh my at my kindergarten talent show, where we just, like, had... What are they called? Uh, magnifying glass? 
We had little magnifying glasses and did like tricks on the trampoline. And by tricks, I mean like little jumps. <laughs> little jumps. And we had like fedoras and trench coats. And we just did it to like, so the Inspector good. Gadget theme song. And I was like, God, I'm good at this. <laughs> oh. I'm destined to be a spy. <laughs> Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Oh, yeah. Where is she? Did we ever yeah. find her? No. She's on Netflix now. Carmen, if you're listening, we're looking for you. And we st- and we stand with the WGA. <laughs> and SAG. And SAG. Yeah, we stand with them all. We stand with them all. Anyway, we've gotten so off track. Sorry. Um, oh, wait, this is so funny. Wait, when Lindsay Lohan goes to Brooklyn and or Queens, can't remember, <laughs> everyone is staring at her. And it's like she's like self-conscious because everyone's like looking at her like she's the outsider. And it's like literally just because like she's like wearing orange. Like she's wearing like... Oh, it's like, you don't belong here. They're like, yeah, this is the other side of the tracks. Like, we all wear brown. But she's in bright colors. Like, but she didn't actually. Like, it's New York. Like, Brooklyn is New York. Like, there are, like, no one doesn't fit in. And it was like, they did a bad job of of it. But her reaction was like, wow, I'm not welcome here because I'm so posh. Oh my gosh, it's, yeah, when you're a kid, you're just, you accept it. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm so, never going to go to Brooklyn. Yeah, you're like, Brooklyn? That's the end of the world. <laughs> okay, so while um, Bug Hall and Lexi are in Brooklyn looking for clues at Mr. Walker's house, and as we learn, Bug Hall's house, because she's like, where are we? And he's like, we're at my house. Come on, let's get lasagna or something. She's like, what? You live here in this shack of a three-story house like you know it's anyway i need to i need to get off my um my rant (laughs) but while they're doing this brenda song has teamed up with gabe who is bug hall's friend Mm -hmm. and they are doing a stakeout of miss walker because gabe's house has a perfect view of oh not miss walker miss dawson so gabe's house has the perfect view so that's why he's like been brought into the stakeout so anyway, it's like Brenda Song and him just watching her and like she's just like really odd. <laughs> she's like doing like an 80s like aerobics workout at one point and Brenda Song is like dancing along to it. And Gabe is like, what are you doing? She could be a murderer. <laughs> don't then, dance. Don't dance. And then Brenda Song's like, okay, like I'm just getting my workout in. Um, but she like receives flowers from someone or like a mysterious thing happens and they're like, wait, what does this mean? And then of course they find clues at Mr. Walker's house, yada, yada, yada. There's a big climax at the end of the movie where it's revealed that Mr. Walker has been living under a secret identity because at one point he was in gambling debt and he something happened with a jewel from a casino guy. Oh, right. And I remember the jewel. essentially he was supposed to bring his boss like this brooch, but mm-hmm. he lost it. He didn't realize he lost it. And his mom found this hideous brooch and essentially Lexi figures it all out because his mom is there wearing the brooch. Mr. Sheffield from uh, The Nanny is there. He's the bad guy. Oh my gosh, I forgot that. He like impersonates oh yeah, he like impersonates being a police detective. Charles Shaughnessy? Yeah, he like pretends that he's on the case 
And Bug Hall, or Lexi's like, there's no way. Like, he can't afford those shoes on his salary. Like, very, like, right. legally Very blonde. Elwoods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And they're like, you're just a gossip columnist. It's like, no, she's a freaking <laughs> genius in social savant. It's always like, you're just a girl. Leave it to the big boys. And then it's like, no, look at her feminine <laughs> interests. Yes. Being pivotal and important yeah um charles shaughnessy who you're talking about uh mr sheffield from the nanny he is also the vampire with whom our mom has a date (laughs) our mom (laughs) with whom our mom has a date you know from uh, mom's got a date with a vampire (laughs) yes so he's in the spooky spooky kid category yeah interesting interesting but yeah I don't need to explain everything just watch the movie she figures out what happened she reunites them Paige is scared because she ends up saving (laughs) Miss Miss Dawson who's been tied up in the spa I don't like that she has a clay mask on yeah it is spooky and she's also going like exactly yeah no it's scary they also just like round a corner and she's there and then Lexi's like okay well I gotta get out of here yeah it's really freaky well thank you Hope for uh telling us about get a clue you're so welcome do you mind saying get a clue Carew (gasps) get a Carew clue that's too close to like get a career (laughs) (laughs) maybe just say it later like when I'm when I when we're disagreeing on something when you least expect it yeah, you can be like, get a clue, Carew. And I'll be like, get a you're clue, right. Carew. Okay, I'll practice. Teacher gone absent. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it's weird, right? It could just be teacher is absent. Yeah, is absent, not gone. She's gone absent. That doesn't, it doesn't sound right to my ear. Maybe grammatically it's correct, but it doesn't feel right. You know why? It's because the teacher's not there to tell them what the correct grammar would be. Yep, that's what it is. Um, well, if you thought that Get a Clue was the biggest thing that Brenda Song did in 2002, I would tell you to get a clue. Carew. <laughs> get a clue, Carew. Because also this year in 2002, she was in Like Mike. Like Mike. Like Mike, which is so slept on. What is your relationship with Like Mike? I remember going to see Like Mike in the theater. I we both we've both talked on this podcast about being like basketball girls. <laughs> yes, we were. We were basketball girls. So like Mike was important. <laughs> it was so for me, like Mike I I went to go see Like Mike in theaters with several of my basketball girl friends for my birthday in two thousand two. Oh. So I think for my I think that was must have been my ninth birthday. Yeah. And we, so we went to, and I always, I always think about this. We went to Newport on the Levee, which is in um, Louisville, Kentucky. And it was, there's this like big uh, movie theater. And while we were Mm -hmm. watching the movie, like within the first like 15 minutes, the movie like stops and like the screen like goes black and everyone was like, ah, and I was like, it's my birthday. (laughs) Oh, no. But in, like, kind of a funny way that made all of my friends laugh. And then that worked in the movie, like, rebooted. Oh, my gosh. Magic. Yeah. You probably remember it because you made everybody laugh. 
I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember, like, I think my friend Antonia Giles was there. I'm sure Adair was there. Like, full names for everyone. Hey, guys. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're all listening. But I always had, like, kind of lonelier birthdays because my birthday's 4th of July weekend. So everyone's typically out of town, you know? Yeah. Or we're, like, at my aunt's house in New Hampshire. So it's, like, family birthdays, you know? It's not, like, a bunch of kids. Mm -hmm. But this was one where it was, like, multiple of my friends. We all went. We saw Like Mike. And it was the best movie ever. It's so good. And I feel like it really influenced me becoming such a basketball girly. That and Sweet Life of Zach and Cody also. Allison Stoner's Mm -hmm. character. Mm Mm-hmm. Max. Max. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to Max. Yeah, we'll get to Max. But, you know, just that, like, cool, like, tomboy basketball energy. And also, my grandfather is, like, very into going to sports games. He'd always say, Mm -hmm. like, I collect stadiums. Like, he likes to go to different stadiums. And so we would go to, like, basketball games with him a lot. And that was, like, a really fun thing. So I, like, I just remember the, like, hoopla of, like, going to a game. I haven't been to a basketball game in years. Yeah. Well, I I went to a basketball game, like, three years ago, but it was a WNBA game. I was really into the WNBA as a child. I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player. And I remember watching... Yes, Heather and Heidi. (laughs) Yes, Heather and Heidi Burge. Um, But (laughs) I watched like Mike and afterwards picked my favorite NBA player because I didn't know anything about the NBA and I picked Jason Kidd because he was in like Mike and he's got a scene (laughs) where he's playing basketball with Bow Wow (laughs) (laughs) and he's like Lil Bow Wow excuse me Lil Bow Wow he's like shouldn't you be in the sandbox and Lil Bow Wow's like what your last name is Kid, and I was like, "That's funny. <laughs> That's gonna be my favorite basketball player." And I had a Jason Kidd poster in my room, and my favorite basketball team was the New Jersey Nets. Why? Because Jason Kidd played for them. <laughs> That's all it took. That's what I remember about like Mike. But I'm sorry, Brenda Song, uh, Bow Wow, Lil Bow Wow, Jonathan Lipnicki, Jonathan Lipnicki, Kristen Glover, yeah, Jesse Plemons. I know. Can we talk about this cast? Are you freaking kidding me? I know. It's insane. insane. And it's so I did forgotten. Not... I feel like no one talks about Like Mike anymore. I didn't realize. I never put together that Jesse Plemons was a child actor. Like, yeah. it makes so much sense now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, you and Kirsten must really have so much in common. Yeah. Kirsten I think of Jesse wife. Plemons. I think of Jesse. <laughs> I think of Jesse Plemons from Like Mike. And then from Friday Night Lights. I don't know what else he did oh, yeah. in that time. But that's all. That's what I remember about like young Jesse Plemons. Do you know his character's name in Like Mike? No. I know that he's like the bully. Okay, I'll give you a hint. It's okay. like uh, an animal in the Zodiac, I think. Oh, like a, like, like a sign? Yeah, like... Or one of the animals. Yeah, an- animals. Oh. Like it's definitely um, an animal. It's an animal. His name is an animal? Yeah. Uh, fish. Ox. <laughs> ox? Yeah. Don't we have Year of the Ox? His name is Ox? Year of the Ram. Yeah, his name is Ox. I do not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Forget Jesse Plumbins is in this movie. Jonathan Lipnicki, he's so cute. His name is Murphy. Oh. So cute. But I literally just watched, like, Mike for this episode, so I'm going to, again, go on another long tangent. Because it's good. It is so good. It's good. 
I had no idea that Crispin Glover was the evil orphanage owner. Mm-hmm. And so that was a quite a revelation for me. But essentially, in Like Mike, it's about uh, kids at a group home. It's called the Chesterfield Group Home, which is inexplicably Catholic, which I find interesting because it's like a state-run home. And Crispin Glover is the owner, and he makes the kids sell candy bars outside of the Staples Center. Oh, yeah. Okay, and so it's like 10 o'clock at night, and Lil Bow Wow and Murph are at the Staples (laughs) Center, and they're selling, you know, their candy bars, and then, like, everything is shut down, and they're leaving, and the coach, the coach of the team, um, like, drives by in his, like, convertible, and Lil Bow Wow's like, hey, coach, like, uh, something about, like, the second quarter, like, said something sports- Something sporty. Something sporty spice. And he's like, thanks, kid. Like, he's like, why aren't you in school? Like, or why aren't you at home? Like, it's 10 o'clock at night. And he's like, oh, I live at the, like, the group home. And Crispin Glover is having, has us sell candy bars. And he's like, well, here, I'll, I'll buy one from you. And he hands the kid a 20. But they make it seem like he's handing him, like, a $100 bill. Honestly, they, mm-hmm. like, it's like, they kind of, like, play music. Like, ah. He, like, hands him, like, a 20. And then uh, Lil Bow Wow's like, I can't take your money, coach. Like, he's like, here. Like, here here's a candy bar like I love the team and he's like plus I don't think the money like goes to the group home at all so he's like he refuses the money and the coach is so impressed by his attitude or whatever that he's like well you know what here's four tickets to tomorrow night's game and he's like what and he's like yep here's four tickets to the game yeah okay we love so like Mike um that's why I want to always want to call him that like <laughs> yeah what's his name Calvin. Calvin. Calvin Cambridge. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I just came up with that. I don't know where that came from. You did it. I'm impressed with myself. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. You literally gassed. Okay. You were just impressed (laughs) with yourself. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Sorry. So Calvin Cambridge. It's Calvin Cambridge. (laughs) Sorry. I'm laughing so hard now. You were gasping at yourself being like, wow. No, it is impressive. It literally felt like a psychic vision. Like, I don't know where it it just came out of my mouth. Like, I didn't even. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, like Mike, uh, what was I saying? Um, He's going to the game with the. Oh, so he goes to the game and he's smart. He's kind of like Harry Potter. And he has his two best friends, Ron and Hermione, Brenda Song and Murph. Okay, John and he's Lipnicky. being yes, and he's like being bullied by Jesse Plemons, aka Malfoy, mean and blonde. <laughs> and he's like really beaten up on him. And then he like grabs his tickets, and he's like, "What are these?" And he's like, "You're not gonna get to go to these. Like, I'm gonna give them to Crispin Glover." And then Lil Bow Wow's like, "Well, that's too bad. Like, cause then you'll miss the game." And then you're like, oh, he's give, he gives his bully a ticket. Smart. Yeah. He's like, you can't bully me. I'm giving you a ticket. Then we, So it's very much like in the first Harry Potter when they go into the Forbidden Forest because he like tattled. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this analogy. Yes. So that's the vibe here at this at this basketball game. Cut to halftime of the game. Eugene Levy appears. He is the team's financial guy. I forgot Eugene Levy was in this. Yeah, me too, until he shows up. He's the team's, like, business guy. And he pulls over the star player of the team, who is Morris Chestnut. That's the actor's name. The character's name is Tracy Reynolds. And 
I was texting my friend earlier. Her name is Ellis. And so I was like, Trace, I would, I called him Tracy Ellis in my notes so many times that I was oh, like, no. why would, I was like, why would they name his character Tracy Ellis? Like Tracy Ellis Ross. Like, why would they do that? Tracy Ellis Ross, right. And I was oh, like, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they basically tell him, they're like, hey, you need to help us out and do like a, a halftime show, you know, like play one-on-one against like someone from the audience. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he's like, well, the team is low on money and low on fans, so you need to. And so he reluctantly agrees. Oh my God. Wait, I forgot like kind of the most important part of the movie. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> Rewind. (laughs) Rewind. Okay, so pause here. Pause here. Rewind a little bit. The nun of the school, the inexplicably Catholic school, has some clothes that she is giving to the kids. She gives a coat to Jonathan Lipnicki, and what falls out but a pair of shoes. Very (gasps) holes. Very Shia LaBeouf. Yes. (laughs) Sweet feet. Sweet feet. Okay? So it's very reminiscent of that. And immediately, little Bow Wow is like, in reverence of the shoes and he like picks them up and he's like hey nun hey sister know anything about these shoes and she goes i don't know and you're like oh okay she doesn't know anything i mean why would she she's just dropping off the clothes you know <laughs> yeah and then little bow puts the shoes on or he reads that they say mj and he's like you don't know anything about them and she goes oh well the guy who dropped them off said they belonged to a famous basketball player when he was a kid I'm like, wait, so you don't know or you do know? Those are are very different answers. I don't know. Yeah, I just know this exposition. And it's like, well, then you did know, sister. Also, what I just, I want to think that, like, that's just like a great thing to say to a little orphan kid when you give them something like worn down. Like, yeah, these used to belong to Mariah Carey. It's like, that could be you someday. You know, it's kind of a nice lie to tell. These shoes used to belong to Santa Claus. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So he, like, loves the shoes. They're a perfect fit. Jesse Plemons sees the shoes, bullies him, tosses the shoes up on a telephone wire. Tragic. Mm -hmm. That night, heavy, heavy storm. Lil Bow Wow wakes up in a sweat. He shakes Murph. Murph, we got to get those shoes. We got to get them. And Lil Bow and Lil Lip Nicky. Lil Lip Nicky. And so then Lil Vampire, <laughs> Lip Nicky, is like, no, it's pouring rain. And Lil Bow Wow is like, exactly, they're going to be ruined if we don't get them right now. Come on. Little Bow Wow and Little Vampire is so funny. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> the two lulls. <laughs> yeah. So... They go out into the pouring rain. Oh, they, they grabbed Brenda along the way. They don't show us how. So the three of them go out into the pouring rain, and they watch as Lil Bow Wow, like, scales this tree and is, like, climbing on the tree to get close to the telephone wire. This scene is very Matilda when Matilda goes back to the Trunchbull's house to get Lissy doll, and she leaves her ribbon. Yeah. It's that scene, Okay. So just visual image here. While Lil Bow Wow is grabbing the shoes, lightning strikes. And the lightning goes through the shoes. And Lil Bow Wow falls, like, holding the shoes. And when he gets up, he's like, whoa. And the shoes are still, like, zapping. 
Mm-hmm. Back to the game. It's halftime at the game. Oh, yeah. And then when he, he puts on the shoes and he, like, kisses them or something and he's like, make me like Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he's he makes, like, a wish as he puts on the shoes. Like, And anyway, he does this halftime game where he plays against... Tracy Reynolds, like the big star of the team. And the Eugene Levy's like, let him score one point on like two points on you. And he's like, no. And so he's like, no, I'm not letting him score on me. He's like, he can score one. Cut two. What? This four foot kid is really good at basketball. The shoes are making him jump impossible heights and like play defense like insane. And at the very end, he like basically flies 30 feet and does a slam dunk and everyone in the stadium is absolutely silent as he just like holds on to the rim of the basketball because it's just like he literally just flew like it's actually it was absurd and I just want you to imagine the 2002 of it all as well very comical the crowd is like silent and then they all start cheering blah 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 the very next day the orphan like Eugene Levy's shown up at the orphanage with the coach and they're like, we would like to um, hire a uh, little Bow Wow for a one day contract on the nights. Like he's going to be a member of the team for one day and like play one game with us as like a PR stunt. And then once he gets there, he realizes like, oh, he's just going to sit on the bench and he's like sad about it. And the coach is like, sorry, kid, like I'm going to level with you. Like you're here to be on the bench. And then during the game, during a, a huddle, Lil Bow Wow, like, suggests, like, a crazy play. And he's, like, really smart about his, like, sports terms. And then so then the coach is like, okay, you, you play then. So then he's like, what? You want, you want, you're going to put me in? But he's not wearing his shoes. He's wearing the team shoes. So he's like, uh, 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 I got to pee. He runs off. They announce, like, the referee is, like, uh, he's called a timeout. Uh, Lil Bow Wow, like, has to pee. He, like, runs. He looks everywhere in his locker for his shoes. He gets them. He puts them on. He comes. He, like, dominates the game. Mm-hmm. And then he gets, like, hired to be, like, a full player, a team member on the game. But essentially, Crispin Glover is, like, okay, just so you know, though, Lil Bow Wow, you can be on the team, but if you're on the team, you can't get adopted. Like, you because of the contract and it's like fucked up and it's also not true but he tells him yeah imagine that's written into the contract anyone on the team can't get adopted yeah it's like because I'm the guardian of your of your money and so if you're gonna have a job like it it was just evil manipulation I mean really messed up stuff um but yeah essentially Lil Bow Wow like bonds with Tracy and Tracy is like assigned to be his like big buddy essentially and he doesn't he's like the curmudgeon on the team like Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to do it think um Roy from Ted Lasso like he's lost his like passion for the game yeah he's like just not having it doesn't have a good relationship with his dad yada 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 they start as enemies essentially not Mm -hmm. enemies but you know he's like the annoying kid and eventually, like, they bond, and it's, like, really, really heartwarming and super sweet. <laughs> the terrible guardian thing is also kind of reminiscent of Matilda, and Tracy would be, like, the Miss Honey. Yes, yes. You know? Yes, exactly. Miss Chestnut. He doesn't start off that way, but he turns into the Miss Honey. No, exactly. 
Okay, so um, while they're rooming together, like, Miss Honey goes on a date. (laughs) (laughs) But he, like, tries to bring a girl back, but and he tries to kick the kid out, but he's ordered so much room service that he's (laughs) absolutely sick. And he'd never heard of room service before. Like, he was, like introduced that very day and just like ate himself sick and his Mm. date thinks he's like so cute and like nurses him back to health and is like oh he's so cute and sweet and like what a talented player like she's like all over him and uh tracy's like really jealous (laughs) essentially and then little bow wow like snores all Mm. night long and it drives tracy crazy okay so at one point Tracy goes to the pharmacist to get sleeping pills and allergy medicine. Okay. And then he starts, like, flirting with the pharmacist. Is her name Allegra? Yes. Okay. I remember this scene. Why do you remember that? That's what I was about to say. I'm sorry. It's so funny to have a pharmacist named Allegra because Allegra is the name of an allergy medication. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I remember it. But yeah, I don't know. Oh my god, <laughs> it's also the name. It's also the same name in Hitch. Is it Allegra Cole? Allegra Cole. <gasps> yes. Oh wow. Okay, so what happens? Like, sorry, before the pharmacy, is that Lil Bow Wow asks if he can come, and he says no, and so then he just like hides in his car, and then while he's driving and like singing. Lil Bow Wow pops up and he's like hey I'm coming too and they like bond a little bit over the singing and they're like kind of starting to make some headway and then uh, Tracy goes into the to the pharmacy and Lil Bow Wow realizes uh oh it's almost curfew and they need to like make curfew Mm -hmm. so Lil Bow Wow's like honking and Tracy Ellis is flirting with the pharmacist and the pharmacist is like Okay, the one with the blue cap is allergy medicine, and the one with the red cap is sleeping pills. And Tracy's like, okay, yeah, yeah, red and blue, red and blue. He takes a pill when he gets behind the wheel with Bow Wow, and then they're driving for, like, a couple minutes. They, like, stop at a red light, and he falls fully asleep. That's so scary. Dangerous. It's literally so scary and dangerous. It's insane. But it does lead to a very fun kid driving scene. Oh, we love those. Lil Bow Wow has to, like, put the car in park. He has to, like, drag Tracy's body into the next seat. He has to, like, pull up the seat a bunch because he can barely see because part of the joke is that he's so, like, short. So he's, like, four foot and this guy's, like, six, eight, you know? Right. Right, right, right. So he's, like, driving this car. He's also 13, doesn't have a license, doesn't know how to drive. So he, like, had, we have a fun kid driving scene. It's very, like, Big Fat Liar or uh-huh. Agent Cody Banks. Like Could have been Frankie Muniz is what you're saying. I'm saying it should have been Frankie Muniz. <laughs> but he, like, pulls up into the, like, the hotel and he gets him home. And then the next day, Tracy is, like, says to one of his basketball friends, he's like, oh, thanks for, like, bringing me home last night but like why'd you leave my car like parked in the lobby or whatever and he's like that was he's like who do you think that was like how did you even get home last night and he's like and he realizes like what the kid did like what happened with the kid did literally insane it's like so weird to have like that in a kid's movie but that's what happens they end up like starting to bond more and more it's sweet and then the 
the like away game is over they go back to the orphanage and it's like they have like open house days at the orphanage where all the parents come and like look at kids Mm. which I have to say this is the second movie with Jonathan Lipnicki with an open day orphanage I was thinking the same thing Stuart Little it was so Stuart Little Stuart Little Bow Wow (laughs) (laughs) there's something there (laughs) we'll workshop it guys we're making merch. <laughs> Stuart Little, littlest vampire, too, would work in some way. Stuart Little vampire. <laughs> oh, no, our mom's on a date with them. <laughs> okay. So, essentially, Calvin confronts Crispin Glover and is like, it doesn't make sense. Why can I not get adopted? And then he was like, okay, fine. I've put together the best people, like the people who are the best and brightest to adopt you. You should meet with them. Let me know if you like them. And it's like this like series of awful couples that are like hilariously like cringe. And my favorite are this really nice couple. And they're like, oh, honey, we love you. We've been doing musical theater for 25 years. Oh, musical dinner theater for 25 years. And they're like, so don't worry. There's no more hard knocks for you. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And then they start singing, the sun will come out (gasps) tomorrow. Okay, so then it, like, cuts to, like, the next couple. And Uh it's, like, you know, they're odd in their own ways. And it's, like, you know, they're odd, they're odd, they're odd. Cameo from an SNL cast member. (gasps) Former. Do you want to guess? You get one guess. Chris Parnell. No. And by when I say cameo, I think it's like they didn't have a big career at this point. Oh. Well, so I it's mean, like appearance. Okay. Uh uh Maya Rudolph. Fred Armisen. What? <laughs> yeah, Fred Armisen. I'm genuinely shocked. 2002. Yeah, no way he had a career. Oh my word. I was taken aback. Okay, so after meeting Fred Armisen, Calvin's like, I can't do this anymore. And he takes four buses and he shows up at Tracy's house with, like, the weight of the world on his shoulders. And Tracy's like, what's wrong? Like, why are you here? And he's like, doesn't want to talk about it at first. And he finally gets him to tell him. And he's like, things at the orphanage are bad. Things are bad with my friend because Jonathan Lipnicki's jealous. And... I'm going to fail my geometry test and then I won't be able to play in the game. And so Tracy's like, okay, call Jonathan Lipnicki, make up with him, tell him to come over here. All right. And I'm going to freshen up on my geometry. And then he like sets up this geometry lesson for him outside with paint where he's like painted on these like giant triangles and he's uh-huh. done, like, sports plays, and he teaches Lil Bow Wow geometry through sports metaphors, and it's, like, so fun and cute. That's super cute. They end up having a paint fight, like, 10 Things I Hate About You, and it's just, like, one of the most fun, enjoyable, wholesome scenes to watch. It's very Matilda. Yeah, it is really Matilda. It's very Matilda and Miss Honey. It's, like, so fun, and they're, like laughing they're throwing paint on each other or they're like jumping in the pool it's like Jonathan Lipnicki shows up he's like man cabs are so expensive do you mind uh lending me $49.50 because <laughs> it's like the cab ride was 50 was 50 dollars 
<laughs> but yeah, he shows up. They all have like a great time, like the three of them, and it's like really sweet. It's very Matilda. I've also never really noticed the similarities between Like Mike and Rookie of the Year. It's pretty similar. Did you ever watch Rookie of the Year? I don't feel like I've seen Rookie of the Year. It was about a young kid who joins the Chicago Cubs. Oh. It's like basically the same movie, but baseball. It's Thomas Ian Nicholas from the um, American Pie movies. I feel like maybe I have seen it years ago. He's like really bad at baseball, but he falls on his arm and he has to get surgery. And when his like arm heals, the tendons are too tight. So now he's like a really insane pitcher. (laughs) That's funny. So he plays for the Cubs and he doesn't um, get adopted by the like curmudgeon of the team. But the curmudgeon of the team does end up like with his mom. So kind of the same. So he does get adopted. (laughs) So I mean, similar. And it's like, okay, wait. So also right before he like um, Calvin leaves to go to Tracy's house, he's like watching television and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is on because it's 2002. Uh, What else would be on? I mean, what else is on now? That's still what's on to this day. (laughs) Literally, it is all the time. There's pretty much, you can always find it on TV. Um, And Calvin is like, man, I wish I had a family like that. Hmm. Okay. So he has like a good geometry lesson. They bond, blah, blah, blah. There's a really cute scene with Lil Bow Wow and Brenda Song and Jonathan Lipnicki where they're on the like spinny thing at the playground. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? And Yeah. But they're, like, they're just, like, sitting on it, and they're, like, talking about how much it sucks that they haven't been adopted. And they're, like, he should be your new family. And he's, like, yeah, but he doesn't even talk to his family. And they're, like, Aww. you should reunite him with, with his dad. So he, like, tries to, and then it, it gets them to be in this, like, big fight with each other because he wasn't ready to be reunited with his dad. Yeah. And then while this is happening – Crispin Glover presents him with the perfect family, the Boyds. And the Boyds, like, purposefully model, like, the family from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, they all look exactly, like, the same. Oh, nice. And they're kind of like a... They're like a parody of them, almost. And they, like, show you their house, and their house looks almost identical. It's like the colonial house. Yeah. And when they go to, like, eat at the dining table, when he, like, has, like, a night with the family to see what it's like, it's, like, it looks like this set from, like, The Fresh Prince. But they're all, like, eating, like, in sync. Yeah, scary. Like, it's very, like, Stepford Wives. Uh Like, they're perfect. And the kids look all, like, they look like the kids in the family. Like, everyone looks the same. And he just automatically just feels like this I don't fit in here like I'm not a Boyd like they're so like boring and weird and cheerful like you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very um they're not like the butt kisses from it takes two yeah but it's the similar vibe of being like oh this I don't think they're my family but also they're everything that I've wanted on paper not the butt kisses right right yeah yeah (laughs) good clarification yes good clarification (laughs) (laughs) Okay, meanwhile, sorry, I'm going so in depth, but meanwhile, I don't know how to tone it down. Crispin Glover, like, grabs Jesse Plemons by his lapel and is like, are the shoes magic? Do the shoes make him good at basketball? And Jesse Plemons is like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And so then Crispin, like, conspires. 
he gets um, Mike to, or I keep wanting to call him Mike. He gets Lil Bow Wow to like put on dress shoes while he's at the Boyd's because he's like, these shoes are not fancy enough. Mm. And so he like confiscates his shoes and he like puts the shoes in a safe. And then he goes to like a gambling hall and like places a bet against the basketball game. Ooh, that's so good. Oh, that's he's so like, good. They're going to have an off night, right? Yeah. And it's really sad. Oh, and the the reason that he's able to get the shoes, I think is because he left the shoes with cuz he was like you can't wear those shoes. So then oh. he left the shoes with Murphy. So mm-hmm. Murphy's like guarding the shoes with his life, and this is like the saddest most fucked up scene ever. Crispin Glover comes in and he's like, Where are the shoes? And Jonathan Nicky's like, What shoes? I'll never tell you. And he pulls out a photo, the only photo that Jonathan Lipnicki has of his Oh gosh, I don't oh gosh. Dead mother. I remember now. And he grabs a lighter and he starts lighting the photo on fire and he's like, Tell me where the shoes are. And Jonathan Lipnicki like won't do it. And then he like he gives him like one last chance and at the very last second Jonathan Lipnicki's like they're in the attic and so they get the shoes okay I think I blocked that part out <laughs> it's so horrible and sad yeah. they like literally yeah. tortured this baby this sweet baby and I'm sorry Jonathan Lipnicki is a talent like I yes he was so good in everything but man you feel for that kid I was like obsessed with orphans too orphans and spies like you feel for him so hard yeah um so essentially like calvin gets put in at the game but he doesn't have his shoes and then the kids revolt against crispin glover there's like a mass anarchy and they tie crispin glover up and they're like torturing him and then jesse plemons is like hey what are you guys doing and and um crispin glover's like yeah get me out of here jesse plemons like and then jesse plemons is like i don't know and he's like you're stupid you're stupid and jesse's like i'm not stupid if i were stupid i wouldn't remember the combination to the safe and then he undoes the safe and gets the shoes and then they grab the shoes and there's a scene of like 12 orphan kids on motorized (laughs) razor scooters racing through the streets to get to the staples center and they like run in and deliver the shoes and win the game and things fall through with the boys because Calvin doesn't want to be adopted without Murph and he doesn't feel like a Boyd and he's like I just want to be a kid oh also because the shoes like disintegrate on the court after he makes like the final shot so it was he like, doesn't need them anymore the shoes have run their course yeah exactly yeah but he but he doesn't know that until a couple days later when Tracy Ellis Ross shows up Tracy Reynolds <laughs> <laughs> shows up to the orphanage and he's like and he overhears Jesse Plemons and Jesse Plemons like what was the best part of being in the NBA and Lil Bow Wow says room service <laughs> and then Tracy goes room service and Lil Bow Wow turns around and it's him. And then he says the sweetest thing ever. He's like, I heard you're still looking for a father. He goes, well, that's good because I'm looking for a son. Oh, stop. I'm going to cry. And they hug and it's so sweet. And then oh. Lil Bow Wow's like, hey, do you know what day it is? And Tracy's like, what? He's like, it's two for one day at the orphanage. Get one orphan for the price of two. Or uh, get two orphans for the price of one. He's like, I I can't go without Murph. And 
he's like, okay, hey, Murph, like, I want to be your dad. And it is, like, so sweet. He, like, he's like, he's like, I'm going to be his dad, and I think, we think you should tag along, too. And they immediately start calling him dad. It's like, he picks them up. They, like, it's so sweet and heartwarming. It's like, yeah, you're, like, crying. I literally have tears. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, it's so touching. And you did a great job telling it. thank you. (laughs) A beautiful retelling of Like Mike. (laughs) What's sad, though, is that we don't know what happens to Brenda. (laughs) Yeah, well... We can only assume that her and Jesse Plemons go on to age out of the system and right. end up together right. in a Bonnie and Clyde situation. <laughs> That's what we should write. We should write a Like Mike sequel starring Brenda Song and Jesse Plemons. Yeah. It's called Ox. <laughs> called Ox. Ox and Co. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That thank you, Hope. Thank you. That was beautiful. And thank you, Lil Bow Wow. I feel like I just watched like Mike. It's so good. It's so good. Thank you, little Bow Wow. If you're a fan of Ted Lasso, you'll love this. Yeah, or Matilda, or Rookie of the Year. Or any of the twelve movies that we mentioned because it is so like reminiscent of several movies. It is so two thousand two. Yes. We didn't even talk about the song. They're playing basketball. basketball. There's a funny moment in the movie where Tracy's like tells a little bow wow. He's like, yeah, you don't have a career as a rapper. Like you're you're not good at rapping. <laughs> that is good. I like the meta meta humor. Very yeah. meta. But yeah, I mean, that's 2002 in a nutshell. And I feel like re- I just relived my childhood. Like I feel like I mean. I'm nine years old, eight years old. Yeah, that's, we, we all, 2002 in total was the Bernie Mac show, George Lopez, which we talked about last episode, The Nightmare Room, Get a Clue Like Mike. Did you watch one episode of For the People? No. Me neither, and I can't find it anywhere, nor can I find any information about no. Brenda's character or no. anything. But that was, she was in one episode of For the People in 2002 as well. <laughs> it's hard when shows have names that are phrases because For the People is a really difficult thing to Google because it's like. For the People is also a current like show. Yes. It's like a completely different show. Yeah. And I was like, oh, perfect. It's on Hulu. And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. It's 2002. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So hold on. It's 2002. Anyway, that concludes 2002. Yeah, it does. Thanks for joining us. Next time we'll be covering 2003 (laughs) and maybe more. We don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, you guys. But these were important. These were important movies to talk about. These were really important. And we know that you miss our our old format of our of our long plot breakdowns. <laughs> where where one of us monologues. <laughs> hey, guess what? It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Unless Jennifer St- Stone is here and then we can do whatever Jennifer Stone wants. <laughs> yeah, when you mean when Jennifer Stone is here. She's coming, guys. Yes, or Allison Stoner. I want to have a uh, both a stony episode. Let's get stoned. We're manifesting. Oh my gosh, that'd be so good. We're manifesting Jennifer Stoner. Al- Je- Jennifer Stoner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, couple name, couple name. Never mind. I can't have them. <laughs> oh, they're embarrassed. <laughs> We're manifesting everyone. We are. Okay. And you should too. Stay tuned. We've got some exciting guests coming up. <laughs> get a clue, Carew. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. Next episode, next episode. Next episode.
Well, yeah. I'm Hope Carew. I'm Paige Smith. And this was History Duffs Presents Brenda Song Part 3, 2002. <laughs> A Space Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> We're singing basketball. <laughs>